This is Faith is Not Blind, and my name is Sarah Devonier. Welcome. I'm here with Kelly Anderson, and she's going to share with us a little bit of her perspective that has come from what she's done professionally. Will you just give some of your professional background? Sure. Um, so I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I have been practicing since like 2005 is really when I started doing therapy. Um, licensed since 2009, so that was while I was in school and getting all my hours and everything too, but um, I'm still kind of catching my breath, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, yeah, so I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I did my undergrad at BYU in Provo, and then I went and did my master's at Loma Linda University, and um, I have worked with individuals, families, and couples. Yeah, like I said, since for the last, oh my gosh, 15 years or yeah. so. Um, and it's awesome. I've worked probably primarily with kids, but anyway, all of it. Yeah. I've done all of it. As you've worked with these people and, and counseled them, how has your experience with your faith helped you as you've tried to work with them? Obviously, you can't bear your testimony to them, but, but how has having your testimony helped you work with them? You know, it's interesting. When I very first started doing therapy and working with, um, I, well, um, the place I was working with, it was everybody, right? So it was individuals, kids couples, families, but my testimony of the family grew so much as I was doing therapy. Um, so yes, I had my, you know, my foundational testimony, but it, it grew so much just of how important it is to have good influences in your life, um, have people that love you and support you. Um, and how grateful I am that I've had that in my yeah. life. Um, I really have been blessed to have a very supportive family. Um, I never questioned that, ever. Um, and I think, just in thinking about that, like that was really my foundation for the gospel too, because the gospel, what I was learning at church and stuff, always kind of built on the the foundation of the family that I had yeah. already. And so then when I was doing therapy and I got just a little glimpse into people's lives of what people don't have um, sometimes, um, what they're lacking and what they want and need. Um, yeah, my, my testimony grew so much of, of just that importance of being loved, knowing that you're loved, being supported. Yeah. Um, having someone to really listen to you, um, hear the, the deepest, mm -hmm. you know, um, emotions, thoughts, whatever of, of your life that, um, anyway, it's just super important. Yeah. So, I, I, well, and I think as we think about the development of faith and just the idea of how faith is not blind, mm -hmm. you're, you're working with people who may have had a certain expectation that maybe their life was going to be how you saw yours, that, that sure. you were blessed enough to have yours be. 
how do you help them work through that, especially if they are religious, if there is an expectation just cognitively and psychologically, what advice would you give to help people start to work through that if they have an expectation and they feel so broken? Um, I think a lot of it is, um, for me as a therapist, being okay with people's questions, like being okay with people um, maybe having that expectation and me opening up that that expectation might not be realistic or that expectation might have other avenues or um, what's the right way of saying that? Um, that there's lots of different ways of getting to the same end mm. um, and, and helping them explore that. Um, I think, you know, I was thinking about this earlier with, um, we do a lot of feeling work, right, as a therapist. How do you feel about that? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but really, there is so much to that. When we, when we have different feelings inside of us, we could be experiencing multiple different kinds of feelings. And, um, and it's not until, I don't think it's until we can actually put a name to that feeling or even to the multiple feelings that might be there that we can then explore it um, to really truly understand what's going on. Well, there's, there's um, don't ask me for technical terms here, but there's something with the brain, like with when you, um, I think it moves it to the frontal cortex, if I'm remembering correctly, but where if you name a feeling, it's almost as if then you can examine it, um, where it's different. You use a different part of the brain when it's just inside of you and you haven't really put a name to it. But when you put a name to it, it's now suddenly in front of you and you can process it in a way that you couldn't before. Yeah. Right. And so I think the same, I think the same could be applied to expectations or to questions that you might have to be able to actually ask that question, get those questions out so that then you can process it and really look at it from a, a few different angles. Um, that's when the real processing happens and where you can really start to get some answers or even start to accept that there may not be yeah. an answer. So how would you apply that to the building and the shaping of a testimony? Would you say that that works in a similar way? I think so, yeah. Um, I, as I was contemplating like how I have really come to my own testimony. Um, so let me give a little bit of background. So like with my, with my growing up and stuff, I think I just, I always really trusted my parents and I still do, but I, um, I leaned a lot growing up just on their testimonies they and and I didn't realize how much I leaned on that until I left for college and I came up to Rick's college all of my other siblings went to BYU Provo I was the only one and I'm right in the middle of seven kids mm -hmm. so I was the only one at Rick's college I was so used to just kind of um uh, what's the right way of saying that I was just on the tail end of, of everybody before me, you know, <laughs> so just following, uh, along. following <laughs> along exactly. And so when I got up here, I, I realized I didn't have them to kind of fall back on and I had to decide for myself that this is what I, this is what I'm going to do. 
um, you know, what do I believe and am I going to choose to go to church? Because now there's no social pressure or I guess there's some social pressure, but it, nobody here knew me. Nobody knew what my history was. Like it was me deciding whether or not I wanted to go. And, um, and now you're going to have to help me with what direction <laughs> I was going. So, so Ask that question again. So how did you go through that process yourself then? You said psychologically that it's helpful to label things and to find multiple answers. So how did you do that yourself well, when you got okay, to college? So, so with that, I remember specifically like during that first week asking, like saying to myself, wow, I could be anyone I want to be. <laughs> No, really, you know, like I could be anyone I want to be. No one else here knows me. No one knows my family. Nobody knows, you know, anything about me. I could do and be anything that I wanted to be. And, um, and asking myself that question was really like, oh, well, what do I want to be? And who, like, what, what, what am I? You know, <laughs> like that kind of question. Um, and so, and for me, then it was, you know, kind of lining things out. Well, you know, am I going to go to church on Sunday? Does this make, does this make sense for me? Um, you know, what do I believe about, about God and about my savior and about, um, all of it. So how did that make a difference to you to find a label for those feelings? What, what did that lead you to well, that led me to deciding for myself that I was going to do this, if that makes yeah. sense, right? Yeah. So it was it was suddenly now in front of me, and I could I could do something about yeah. it. Well, and, and as a, as a counselor, it. why do you think that is a necessary thing to do with a testimony? Um, well, why do we do anything, right? Like, why do we make the decisions that we do? Um, obvious well there's lots of different reasons that we do the things that we do right um sometimes it is social pressure sometimes it's because of expectations from our family or our friends um but really the things that that ground us the things that well that well, hopefully we would get to is that we're the grounding well we're the grounding maybe with the help of our savior right because i um but, but that we're deciding to do it for ourselves, not for anybody else. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. Tell a little bit about your family now. Um, what do you want to know about my family? <laughs> about your little family of your own. Oh, my little family. Yeah. Um, so I have been married for 11 years. So we've got four little kids. Um, and they are eight, five, four, and two. Yeah. And so you've got you've got a family, and you're a marriage and family therapist. So yes. So I know I, nothing. So you know. <laughs> That's what I've come to. <laughs> That's what you've is that I don't know anything. Out. I knew a whole lot more when I wasn't married and when I didn't have children. <laughs> so. so with your with your background in marriage and family therapy and your background in the church. What are the most important things that you teach your kids, in, in, especially in their development of themselves and of their testimonies? Now that you've, you've yeah. seen it in other people, you've seen a variety of families, what is your hope for your kids and how do you think they'll get there? 
Well, I think first and foremost, the thing that is most important to me is that my children know that they are loved. Again, that goes back to what I found, mm -hmm. right? like what my foundation was, but then also what I found in, in doing therapy. I want them to know that they're loved. Um, and they all need love in different ways. So that's its own, you know, um, kind of puzzle, right? Trying to make sure that I, I get that for each of them. But I think um, really, I want them to be able to ask questions um, and know that I've heard those questions. Um, I, yeah, I want them, I want, so a foundation of love. I also want a foundation of, I have very inquisitive children. Like, they get that more from their dad probably than me. But, um, and do you encourage that? Yes. And as a therapist, again, why encourage that? Is, if, if someone would say, isn't that risky? Don't you want to just tell them what to do? What, why foster that and encourage that? I think there's a balance there for sure, right? Because um, I want them to see, I want them to know and see that there are different ways of doing things than even the one way or the way that we try to do things in our home, right? Because um, I think it's important for them to be, for them to be able to get to, I'm going to do this because I want to do it. Yeah. They have to go through those channels of being able to ask the question and, and know that there is sometimes multiple answers, you know, um, and that anyway, and that it's okay to ask those questions. I want them, I, I think, I know that they will have a stronger testimony if they ask those questions, right? I mean, the whole, the, the gospel in this dispensation was started with a question, right? So, uh, isn't that the answer? <laughs> like, yeah. Right? There's a, you know, one 14 year old boy who had a very serious question and got an incredible answer. Um, and anyway, so to encourage those, any kinds of questions so that they can explore that for themselves and really come to their own answers. That's what I want. Do I always do that the best I can? Well, I guess it's the best I can, but do I squabble and mess up and give them, yes, this is the answer? <laughs> yeah, I do. But I try to try to come back to them, yeah. like really being able to explore it themselves. Yeah. Let me ask you one last question. Yeah. If, if there's someone who wanted your advice as a, as a therapist who's thinking, I have these questions, I feel guilty for having questions, I don't know if I can get an answer, what, what, would, what would your spiritual answer be for them? What advice would you give them? Um, well, first of all, it's okay to have questions and we may not have all the answers. I, um, so President Kimball is my great-grandpa and um, my great-grandma, Camilla Irene Kimball, she, um, there's a quote from her that I come back to when I think about this. And I, sorry, Grandma, I'm going to botch this, but <laughs> and I'm going to embellish it a little bit. But um, she, there's a quote where she talks about, you know, here she is, she's the wife of a prophet, right? Yes, she had questions too. And we all do. And it's okay for us to ask them, first of all. Um, but Basically, she said, you know, when I, have a, when I have a question, I don't have the answer to it. 
I put those questions up on a shelf. I don't put them away. I don't ignore them. I acknowledge that they're there and I put them up on a shelf and know that I will have an answer at some point. Mm -hmm. Go about with the things that I do know and then take them down every once in a while and see if I have an answer or if there's been, you know, uh, yeah, if there's new information that's given me more, um, more information, yeah. give new information so that she has more information in order to answer those questions, right? Um, and if she doesn't have it yet, then she puts it back on the shelf. And I, I love that because for me, it's coming back to, again, that whatever that foundation is for you, if it's, if it's family, if it's you know that God is real, if it's that you yeah. know that your Savior is um, loving and He loves you and He knows you, trust that. And that's what you kind of have to come back to, I think, right? Like come back to that and that's, that's where your foundation is. And then where there's these other questions about, you know, things that are happening in the world or um, other policy changes or whatever it is that comes up, you know, pull it down off the shelf, explore it, ask the questions, see, get all the information that you can. And if it's not satisfying yet, put it on the shelf and pull it back out maybe in six months or something and see if there's any new information yeah. and, and, and don't put it away. Don't ignore it, but yeah, well, but come and, back and to I that appreciate foundation. that. Don't throw the book out. Yeah. Um, and it's okay if you don't have the answer now. I, and I also appreciate how you said, find what your foundation is. And maybe your foundational principle won't be the same as somebody else's. No. Yeah. But once you find one, then it can help you deal with the other questions. So make it, make it a big one. It can be a general yeah. one about, about family or about God. Well, that's just like I, like my family, I, like I am, like I said, so grateful to have my family and for that to be some of my foundation. But other people grow up in families that are not like yeah. that. So um, that can't be everyone's and foundation. That, yeah, and, and okay. it can't be, and that's totally okay. Um, and to find that kind of love and support in, um, in other areas, or even if, it's, even if that love and support is just in your relationship with God, yeah. then that's awesome, and you need to yeah. and, and help that grow. Yeah. You know? Thank you so much for sharing that and sharing yourself. I really appreciate you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you.